0: Hello, and welcome to The Bendy Show, where Beth and Wendy, two of the most fun analyst relations professionals, talk about analyst relations. I am half of Bendy, Beth Torrey, and I am joined today by Anjali Yakundi, who is a product marketing executive and a former Forrester analyst. Wendy is off in New York City today, but Anjali is joining me. She is going to share some of her insights as a former analyst and a product marketing leader. Hello, Anjali, and welcome to The Bendy Show.
1: Thank you, Beth, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Anjali, tell me a little bit about your background and your expertise. I currently lead
1: product marketing in a Martech company, and love love what I'm doing here. We look over everything from strategy to market research to analyst relations to pricing, packaging, go-to-market messaging, all all of that. Before that, I spent almost eight years as a forester analyst, where I covered lots of different topics and got to interact with lots of different types of vendors um, across multiple spaces.
0: So, as a side note, I will say I had the opportunity to to be one of Anjali's clients at Forrester, and she's a fantastic analyst and a very tough one too, just to, for the, <laughs> so the audience knows. Um, as a former analyst and now um, leading some analyst relations responsibilities, you've seen both sides of the world. Tell me some of your findings. What do you, like, what surprised you? What do you struggle with? Just kind of riff on bo- seeing both sides of the world.
1: Yeah, it's, I think one would be just keeping up with the changes. Like there's always analysts coming and going. There's always new products that go to market from the analyst firms. Just kind of keeping up with that has been surprising. You know, I only saw that on the inside and now keeping up with it from the outside. I think the second is just quite how influential analysts are. And, you know, I remember having the conversations with different clients and seeing how many people would read my research or were searching for topics. It's really something else, you know, from the outside. Our number one performing assets are always reprints of analyst reports, seeing how much of our pipeline is influenced by analysts, whether it's in a research paper or a referral directly from an analyst or an evaluation. So there's still, you know, so much momentum in growth, I think, in what's happening in the analyst market. And there's still so much influence out there. I can maybe put this to bed early on. It's not pay for play. And it's really a strategic strategic conversation that you have to have with those analysts. And that really has been key for us at least to help drive conversation and drive some of these really important influential
0: outcomes that we're seeing. Excellent. So I have to ask you this because it's always interesting to me, but when you're an analyst, tell me like... A blooper or something that frustrated you that you experienced from analyst relations people?
1: So there was one, well, it wasn't analyst relations. It was actually a CEO of a small startup. He was clearly looking at the deck for the first time on the call with me. Someone beneath him had clearly made this deck and he made the whole deck about this amazing Gartner piece of research and how much he loves Gartner and how influential Gartner was, which I completely great with Gartner writes great research and they're doing great things the problem was is that I was a Forrester analyst at the time and it was so uncomfortable I had to stop him after 10 minutes and I was like you know that you're talking to Forrester right now and Forrester and Gartner are not the same company so that was particularly awkward and I think what what happens when you don't actually look who you're talking to before you talk to them
0: um, that is a great story <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now on the flip side of that, tell me something that you really appreciated from AR when you were an analyst.
1: Yeah, I would say there are two things that I appreciate. Well, maybe three. I'm going to, I'll flip it. Three things that I appreciated. The first was acknowledging and kind of mutual respect. And I know that sounds really simple, but as a female analyst, I can't tell you how many times I was ignored. I was thought that I was not important in the room, even though I was the analyst covering their space. Just kind of overall lack of respect, honestly, that I think affects the female analyst more. I would say the first is just a mutual respect. As an analyst, I really respected the vendors and their point of views, especially when they put C-level executives in front of me and we were able to have a very strategic conversation. I would say that is one of the most critical and those briefings were a great mutual respect. The second was useful briefings. I never wanted to just be told what everybody already knows about the market. Like newsflash, everybody knows personalization is hot, right? You don't have to reiterate that to the analysts, They all know that. They've probably been covering it for the last seven years. I think the ones that actually brought new perspectives and were really strategic and didn't just try and reiterate what everybody already knows. The third is, I would say, is all of those interactions where they would bring forward customer examples, whether on the phone or stories or quotes. The proof is really, you know, proof proof is proof, right? And so bringing customers was just such a key way to Engage, and what I really appreciated as an analyst,
0: I love that, and I'm a huge fan of injecting customer stories throughout the entire AR program. So this conversation actually was stemmed by a blog that Anjali recently published. It's an excellent blog. I'm going to post the link to it. It generated a tremendous amount of activity and response from the analyst community and the product marketing community about the back and forth of how to interact with analysts. So I am going to include a link with that, and I hope every everybody does read it and responds to it because I think it's a really important conversation starter about this from a a person who has clearly been on both sides of the battlefield. So one thing that I know about Anjali is she is an extremely goal-oriented person. She always achieves her (laughs) goal (laughs) So um, we get a lot of flack for AR just kind of being a a program and you do interactions and you have briefings and inquiries. There's real business benefits to AR. How would you talk about the real business benefits of analyst relations?
1: Yeah, that makes me laugh too, because I love goals because I'm competitive and I always want to exceed my goals. So, (laughs) but yes, you can track number of briefing and number of inquiries. Everyone does it. It's not that exciting to me. Like it just showcases that you're talking to the analyst. So that's showcasing output, not outcome. So to me, the ways that you can, there's like three major ways that you can start to measure analyst relation. The first is if you are tracking your pipeline, I actually track our pipeline that's analyst attributed. So whether that is, they said they found us from a wave or MQ, a market guide, a report that talked about one of our customers Customers, all of that is something that we track and we automate that because they're doing our BDRs and our sales reps can tag that in Salesforce. So we can start to automate some of that reporting and actually start to see how much analysts are starting to influence. It might not be the only thing that's influencing, but it's certainly one of the key areas. The second is we are tracking report mentions and types of reports. So not just, hey, someone mentioned me, but is it a customer who mentioned me? Is it a partner who wrote and talked about our partnership or is it actual evaluation? And the third is content driven metrics. So if you're since saying reprints, which I would assume many of the listeners are, especially if you're in an evaluation, we track like content level metrics and start to see how is analyst content performing and, and influencing our pipeline and our existing customer and cross sell upsell. And how is that influencing? How important is this content in those different stages of the customer journey.
0: That is absolutely fantastic. And 100%, I can say that this is an area where a lot of folks struggle proving the value of your program. And those are three concrete ways to get her done. You're doing a lot with analyst relations and you get great results and you have great measurements, how do you get it done? Tell me about your team.
1: Well, I have a great team. First, we've had amazing success. We have, since I have been participating on the vendor side, been participating in evaluations, we've participated in, I think it's now uh, five or six uh, Forrester Waves and we've been named a leader in every single one. So when you're coming from a vendor that's not named Adobe in the Martech space and you're placing up there with them, um, spending about probably one one millionth their marketing budget and analyst relations budget to be that's like a huge success all due to my team. It's very collaborative. We work really closely with corporate strategy. We work really closely in product marketing, corporate strategy and product. Having really key product peers is critical. We also use a analyst relations consultant and that's been really critical for us so that we can make sure that we're staying focused and have the right goals in mind as we're driving to these kind of key success metrics.
0: Excellent. Okay. Here's a nice, a nice softball one for you. How do you define success?
1: Oh, well, that's good. Obviously being a leader, Beth, but. No. <laughs> <laughs> Besides the obvious, being a leader, I would say defining analyst relations success to me is that you become part of the conversation to an analyst. You're not just talking at them, but you can have a two-way dialogue on the future of the market where you're both teaching each other. We can provide as vendors you know, the proof points that we're seeing, what we're seeing in deals, how we're seeing the market shift, and the analyst can do the same. And we're coming and working really closely together to understand each other's perspectives. So I think having that two-way partnership to me defines success.
0: I love that answer. And I couldn't agree more. What drives you when you wake up in the morning? Some days it's hard. This is a tough job. It's a brutal, it's brutal up there some days.
1: <laughs> I know, you know I just love... Gr- thinking about where these markets, these tech markets are going, things are changing so quickly and needs are moving. What really gets me up every day is starting to see like, what's next? Where can we go from here? And that that's kind of one area. The second is maybe a little cheesy, but I'm really excited that my son can see a female leader and it just gets me up every day and motivates me that he has someone in his life who's going to show him that way. And that, there's so much progress that I think women in tech have made. I want to be that example for my kids.
0: There's nothing cheesy at all about that. And I, <laughs> I love it. I think we all need to embrace this idea. It's a really great one. I think the more children that are exposed to having executive moms, the world is going to be a better place. Okay. What resources do you recommend? It can be a podcast. It can be a book. It could be a website. It can be something you like to read. Something that helps you be a better human, a better mom, a better executive, a better leader. Just share anything you want there.
1: Everybody should read, a tool gun one day's um, books. The checklist manifesto is a fantastic book. It talks about how something as simple as checklists have led to crazy better outcomes in the medical field. Now they're mandatory in the medical field. I think more tech executives need to take this seriously. Like simple checklists actually can greatly improve outcomes because we're human and the way that we think and and kind of memory and how all of that works, like writing things down and having lists is actually really valuable. Uh, So I think everybody should read the checklist manifesto. If anyone on my team is listening to this, they're probably laughing because I talk about the checklist manifesto. The second thing I'd say is take advantage of free learning. I just like to take these little courses from people like edX who offer learnings. Things are changing in the industry and you need to have broad skill sets. And I'm taking a course right now on corporate finance because I just want to be smarter on that. They're free, they're out there, they're taught by top MBA professors. I think they're a great way to just like learn and expand your skill set.
0: Wonderful answers. I'm definitely going to read the checklist manifesto. So I'm a huge checklist person. I'm going to create some checklists for analyst relations, which I will share. <laughs> right. I'll put a.
1: I'll Let put me a know link what to- those are. What <not>.
0: I will definitely. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I hope everybody found some value from this conversation. Anjali is a great person and a really wonderful leader. She was a great analyst who has made a very difficult jump. I've known a lot of analysts who tried to go to the vendor side and couldn't hack it over here. She's one of the few and the brave. Thank you, Anjali. I will put the links to some of the stuff we talked about in the header of the podcast. Thanks for joining us today. And have a great day. Thanks, Beth. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. For more information, please refer to the pod notes below. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps us grow. I'm Wendy Schlensky, one of the hosts of The Bendy Show. If you want to connect with us, please connect with us on either Twitter or LinkedIn. Our details are in the pod notes.